Hello and welcome to Visiting Hours, a Northern Health podcast offering an opportunity to learn a little about the lives, work and dreams of Northern Health staff. My name's Steve and I'll be your concierge behind the curtain. Come on in and join us for Visiting Hours. Today we'll be visiting with a proud Gunditjmara woman, a staunch advocate for Aboriginal women and children experiencing domestic violence and the recipient of multiple awards and accolades for her tireless service to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. Northern Health Senior Aboriginal Hospital Liaison Officer, or ALO, Karen Bryant. Welcome, Karen. Thanks, Steve, for your lovely welcome. And I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and pay respects to the elders past, present and future. Beautiful. Thanks, Karen. Now, in healthcare, we love a good acronym and it's just a shame that the words of your title weren't actually switched around a little bit to make it the Hospital Aboriginal Liaison Officer because then you could have had the halos that you so richly deserve. So we do have halos in the community. You do? They're hack Aboriginal Liaison Officers. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's worth a try. Um, Karen, why don't you tell us a little about what you do at the hospital? So my role is quite varied. When I first started here, I was on my own for the first 10 years of my time here and then our team has grown over the past six to seven years. We have the Nurram Willop Geen Aboriginal Support Unit. Nurram Willop Geen meaning spirit keepers in Wurrung language, the language of the traditional owners. Our role is to advocate and support for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients, to uh, let them know how the hospital journey may work, to help them navigate the system, to contact family members, next of kin, uh, children, um, to allow them to ask questions of their journey in a safe environment. So we provide cultural safety in talking with our people so that they understand the acute health system and perhaps how it might work. And to be with them during um, receiving diagnoses or to sit with them, perhaps they're receiving some not so good news and to really mm. providing that emotional support and hold their hand if that need be, sure. grab a tissue for them and so forth. Yeah. Um, it's not all doom and gloom. We have some beautiful celebrations, particularly when we have perhaps boar eyes being born. So we it, there's the good and the bad and sometimes the ugly, but that's all. Yeah, it's all part, part and the, parcel. Part and parcel, yeah. What are some of the uh, initiatives available through the unit? Yeah, so besides the actual teamwork and the support and advocacy for patients, we also have the possum skin cloak where patients could utilise that cloak if they felt the need to have that wrapped around them or on their bed. For new mums, expectant mums having bore eyes, um, babies in um, language, um, they might like to wrap their baby up for some for that connection, for that warmth, for the for them to take some photos of their time here. The, the possum skin doesn't go with them, but we can share that amongst all the borois that are born. And we have around 100 borois a year born here at Northern Hospital. That's grown since uh, 2002. I think we had five and we're up to over 100 yeah. um, and probably about 120 so on the books. We also have the, this is a newly created um, initiative, the Executive Yarning Group. So this is um, our Executive Director, Jason Cerrone, with our Director, uh, Hugh and meeting with all the Aboriginal um, employees under our teams or associated with us. So we generally have around 10 participants each meeting. It happens each quarter. And during that meeting, it allows Aboriginal workers to sit in a circle, have a yarn in, you know, what their day looks like, what's happening for them, what's perhaps some of the barriers and challenges for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people coming into the hospital. Yeah. Uh, we're able to raise new ideas or perhaps 
a suggested initiative that could help a patient in their journey. It allows Aboriginal employees to have a voice to talk about what's happening for them as an Aboriginal employee of this mainstream organisation. Mm. Um, you know, we can speak with the executive directly, which is wonderful. That, provi- that promotes in itself cultural safety, to be able to talk to the powers that be, to let them know, you know, what's some of the issues for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. We can share case studies, good models of care, share information, share any ideas, and it's nice to be listened to. Sure. And to be heard. Mm, absolutely. I was privileged enough to be uh, invited to a basket weaving session that you had recently running as part of NADOC Week. And a couple of things really stood out to me at the time. One of them was once people started to weave the baskets, the, the walls came down pretty quickly and people were chatting, people were talking, people were laughing and interacting in ways that they probably otherwise wouldn't. And that sitting in the circle, that was that was awesome. And the second and probably most impactful thing was I, I was there to do some filming of the event and as I did some close-ups of the hands doing the weaving, there was always a second pair of hands mm. there helping. There was this free exchange of people saying, hey, how do I do this? Is this the right way? And hands were going backwards and forwards in a in a helping manner. Mm. There was you know, no shame in asking and there, there was no trouble in giving an answer. It was just a beautiful expression of you know how we could be relating to each other, not only in the hospital setting, but, you know, in our families and our communities. There was no blame culture. There was no fear. It was just wonderful. Yeah, it was a, it was a beautiful workshop and led by um, Ty, one of our um, internal uh, physios, which was wonderful. But um, it, it also created a moment for some workers who have never experienced basket weaving um, non-Aboriginal people who are often so busy in their roles, it actually stopped them and could actually relax whilst doing something and gave them a moment of time for themselves. So that was that was one of the beautiful takeaways that I took from the workshop that there, I know there was a couple of very busy workers there. Um, it was just lovely that they felt it was quite therapeutic and healing for them. Mm. Family connections are very important to everybody. Um, What was life like for you growing up? Life was um, a bit of a mixed bag. So I grew up with uh, both my mother and father in the first five years of my life. We lived on Bunurong Country, which is on the other side of the Yarra River down near the beach. Um, And uh, my parents separated when I was around five, so I went to live with my father in um, Bayside um, suburb with my father and my um, non-Aboriginal grandmother. My mother's Aboriginal and my father's non-Aboriginal. But I always see my mother very regularly and holidays and weekends. And I really had the experience of living, I guess, in two worlds. And uh, as I said, I had my Aboriginal family that I would see on weekends and holidays. And then I would be with my um, non-Aboriginal family for my everyday living, my schooling and so forth. And I think it was very different living. Each family had their different ways and different values and beliefs, but it was beautiful connections either way. So I think I've seen the beauty of both sides. Mm. And I think I'm very fortunate to have lived 
in that manner. I mean, ultimately, it would have been great if my parents stayed together, but they didn't, and that's just a fact of life right. in contemporary society these days. But um, I never went without. I had both parents. And later in life, I gained another parent. So my mother remarried and I gained a stepfather. So I had three parents in my life. I'm quite fortunate with the family. I had a large family, had a large family on my Aboriginal side, have many, many cousins, mm. as we do and still do. Coming over to stay, spend time with my mum and the family, I just loved those times and I often went home a bit sad but also extremely happy that I had a great weekend or I had a great holiday and mm. learnt many things and, um, yeah, I think I had the best of both worlds, to yeah. be honest. Do you think being part of both of those worlds has helped with your advocacy and the community work you're doing? I think it does. I think that um, I think having all those connections or seeing life from different different worlds or different facets of your life, I think it helps in who you are and who... And for me, um, I know with both my grandmothers, so my Aboriginal grandmother and my non-Aboriginal grandmother, they both were very helping people. Mm. And I, I seen that very early on. My mother was very helpful to people. My mother worked in the domestic violence area. Mm. She was always um, looking, and my grandmother did too. There was many family members on the Aboriginal side that worked in family violence, looking after women escaping family violence in our community. And then my non-Aboriginal grandmother did a lot for local communities. So she would make food for people when they were sick, sew for them, cut their hair, uh, do errands for them. And often I would go on those errands and do things. And I was always wanting to help and be a part of it as well. Be part of the team, yeah. D did you play a sport as a kid? I love sport. I was heavily involved in athletics, netball and basketball in my younger life. And that took me to a lot of places. I always had the support of family to play sport and um, travel and travel interstate for carnivals. And But I also played basketball within the Aboriginal community but also in my local town at Sandringham. Mm. So um, sport brought lots of happiness and um, good fun times. And my father always said, you know, you can do anything you want, but you play a sport, a sport of your choice, no matter what. <laughs> Did you experience any uh, racism growing up? So often I witnessed racism amongst my family, racism you know, issues with police, issues with how people treated when you walked into shops and things mm. like that. So, and I'm fair-skinned Aboriginal person, so I may not have dealt with it directly, but I often seen it and observed it. And that was really quite disturbing for me. That was something that was really quite tough and um, hard to manage at times. For sure. Um, and, you know, if I was with my cousins who were darker-skinned, I'd be very quickly to defend if they were treated differently mm. and it happened. And I've seen that at a very early stage. Yeah. Do you think that still has there been improvement in that along? along I think racism time? still ex still exists, Steve, um, unfortunately. It's just that people have got more clever at it and um, it's done in a way and we see racism and if you, there's been some surveys done in the local government areas mm. around racism and racism still out there. So people had, a, a, you know, identified racism in the sporting area, in going to the bank, into shops, into nightclubs, into all places around so different times people had experienced racism. We're visiting today with Karen Bryant, Northern Health's Aboriginal Hospital Liaison Officer. So Karen, despite 
the many successes you've had in dealing with people at the hospital, sometimes it's not that way at all. It's quite difficult and confronting and I've seen it literally on your face over the last couple of weeks as we've been interacting. It's it's not that easy. Um, what do you do to de-stress? I mean, you mentioned before you uh, used to play sport. Not uh, so much into sport you... now, Steve. Uh, <laughs> uh, the body's stretching a bit now. No, it's not so much into sport now, but I mean, all my children... Um, grandchildren are playing sport and so forth. Now it's more so about family times. Um, now it's about um, I enjoy cooking on the weekends when I'm not in a rush. Um, I enjoy going away on holidays. I love to go um, overseas. I also love to go local. We have a caravan up in the Alpine region. Oh, wow. So we often take off up there for long weekends and um, or holidays and have met many great people up there as well. So we have a bit of a caravanning type life that annually sits on there. We're not carting it around. Yeah. Um, beautiful country in the Alpine region. Mm. So that, when I get up there and um, I see the river flowing, so water is my calming element. If I've got water anywhere around me, whether it's the beach, which I grew up by, I was the beach, or if I go on holidays near rivers and that, that is a calming element for me. So that's where you de-stress, I think. Absolutely. Um, going on country back home, on good Jamara country, going back down near Haywood and Hamilton and Portland Way, f- feeling the um, the land under your feet, that's always good too. Yeah. If it's like it fills your jug back up. If Absolutely. you could represent yeah. yourself as a jug of water, I think sometimes you need to get back down there because the jug's nearly empty. And so when you go back down, you have this connection to the land. The land, we don't, we don't own the land, but we're a part of the land. We need the land for, you know, for food. We need the land for connection. We need the land underneath our feet for good energy. So um, we try to make attempts to get down there as much as possible, probably not as much as I would like, Mm. but we've had a few family reunions over the years and um, it's always a good laugh and some good times, some good fun, some good tucker. Sitting around a campfire always brings great things and it's a way to fill up your bucket. It's a way to fill that jug up again. Mm. So you've got three daughters of your own. What is the best gift they've ever given you? To see them grow up as beautiful, strong, staunch women is what pleases me, that they can stand on their own two feet. They've all built their own houses themselves before they met their partners. They've got good jobs. They're in great positions. Some are crafty, some are in... So two of my daughters work in the area of family violence too, and one daughter's a hairdresser. She's more creative and so forth. So they're all brilliant, strong women. That's what I like. Yeah. But probably the most special thing is grandchildren. Of course. So <laughs> we've got some beautiful grandchildren who are in there, um, you know, ranging anywhere between three up to ten. Um, and they all bring joy. They bring a different love. You love your grandkids in a different way because I think you can always think in the back of the mind you can hand them back. <laughs> um, but it's always good fun, good laughter, good times, reading with them, watching a movie with them, taking them out. Yeah. Those things are, are pretty special. Um, and having family holidays when we all get together and we all have a holiday, that's what I love. That, that, that's, that's the special time. That's the that's good it, stuff. Yeah. That's the special time. I have three beautiful girls. I also have a, a foster son. Um, he's a lovely young man. Um, he's had some troubles and some trauma in his life, but um, He's doing pretty good at the moment and, um, you know, we love him to bits too. So he's just another one of the family. That's wonderful. It's really, really good. Karen, I'd like to change gears here a little and ask you some would-you-rather questions. Some of them are quite simple uh, and some of them are a little bit more thought-provoking. You ready? Yep. 
Spicy or mild food? Mild. I think I might already know the answer to this one. Mountains or sea? Sea. Pineapple on pizza, yay or nay? Yay. Yay. Yes, <laughs> that's good. Although my Italian friends would say that's a sin, but, um, yeah, I don't mind a bit of pineapple on pizza. Good to hear. Um, cats or dogs? Dogs. Uh, restaurants, fancy or franchise? Mm, fancy. Oh, okay, no fries mm. with that. <laughs> Franchise, look, they've been around for a long time. Yes, they're good for a quick feed on the way home, coming late late back from somewhere or you've had a full day on and just too tired to cook. But I do love to go out to a good restaurant and have a good food. I love Lebanese food, Italian food, Chinese, Greek, you name it, I'll have a go at anything. Croatian, we've got some Croatian friends and got a lot of friends of other different cultures. So we get invited sometimes to dinner. It might be in a fancy restaurant. Yeah. And I love the sharing of food. It's beautiful. It's a way to bring together, as long as you take a good bottle of wine and share over good food, good laugh, good conversation, mm-hmm. that's what fills your jug up too. Absolutely. Would you rather go into the past and meet your ancestors or into the future and meet your great-great-grandchildren? I think I'd like to go into the future, mm-hmm. see how my grandchildren and great-grandchildren and what they've come about, like to see what they look like, what the traits they've carried on through the traditions for my children, to see what's kind of been handed down, you know, what they do in their life, have any of the traditions that I instilled with them um, still continuing on in the future. Sure. Look at what they're doing. Look at um, what's new for them in society or in the future. What's happening? Is technology completely taken over and we don't have any, you know, humans working in perhaps the franchise cafes? Um, I think it's about seeing what I instilled in my children, whether that's conveyed down through the generations and to just to see what they've been capable of and it kind of thinking about it can sometimes bring a tear to your eye because I think that's a beautiful part that sometimes grandparents miss out on. My grandmother on my mother's side, the Aboriginal side, my grandmother's still living. She's 97 next month. Wow. It's a beautiful thing that all the years that she's contributed to life in her lifespan, that she can see her great-great-grandchildren. And this is the creation that, you know, her daughter, who is my mother, and me as her eldest granddaughter, and to see my daughter and her great-great-grandchildren, it's a beautiful generational um, existence. So I hope that I get to see those, you know, for the future. When I think about the opposite side in your question, what about the ancestors, the the traumas of the of what some of our people experience is really hard for me to bear. Mm-hmm. So when you ask me the question, you know, would you like to meet your ancestors, I'd love to meet the people. Mm. I'd love to meet the people. For sure. But the actual environment at those times were quite difficult and I know this because of the stories that my grandmother has told me, sure. um, and the, and the stories she's telling me are, are, are of her gram of her mother and her grandmother. So, those information, those stories get handed down through the generations. Yeah, you, you've kind of already so, met them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so I, I feel that I think I would rather like to go in the future and see what the the greatness that our own children produce and so forth. Yep, wonderful. And lucky last, would you rather always know the truth? or always be happy? Mm. I think it's a balance. I think I'd like to always know the truth, but I also want to be happy. And there's times where we're not always happy. We lose people, we have sorry business. I think that they're the hard times, but that's life. That's the truth of life. It can Life isn't always a bed of roses. Knowing the truth is, is sometimes hard to digest, 
and painful. But if we give it enough time, we can allow for that digestion to happen. I think to be happy is great, good, but knowing the truth can save you sometimes. Yeah. And truth-telling, you know, we're in a year of the sector of truth-telling in the Aboriginal community. Truth-telling is very important. You have to know the truth to be able to proceed forward. You need to know the truth sometimes to be able to be educated and to talk about those things. Sure. I think the truth prevails at times, and I know sometimes people hold back the truth from people, but I think you have to gauge when is the right time for that to come through. Well, Karen, I'm going to drop some truth on you right now. Uh, you're an absolute legend. I think the legacy that you're building uh, with the lives that you're impacting in a positive way is immeasurable. I think the work that you and the entire Nurem Wilkin team are doing is phenomenal and you actually do deserve those halos. It's been my absolute joy and privilege to chat with you today. But sadly, visiting hours are over. Thanks so much. No, thank you, Steve. It's been a great opportunity to tell you a bit about myself, so thank you so much. You're welcome. If you'd like some more information on Nurran Willopgeen, Northern Health's Aboriginal Support Unit, simply head over to the Northern Health website at www.nh.org.au and search Aboriginal Support Unit. Thanks so much for dropping by, and remember you're always welcome during visiting hours. <laughs>